So what a nice word. I'm from the Seifer Chemdas Dove. That was the son of Reb Chesel Kazmira. And the Pusik, Ochan Yeshashem Amokam Azeva Nochle Yudati. So he starts with an interesting Shemis about the Indian Cheshbon Nefesh. The person is doing an accounting, right? He wants to see where he's holding, in other words, Hashem, where he's holding in his responsibilities in this world. He says, what happens is sometimes a person starts realizing, he starts taking account of his actions, different things that he's been doing, the good things and the not such good things. And he falls into an atzvah and he says, well, you know, who am I? What am I? I'm nothing. I'm not, I'm not being right to what Hashem wants from me. I did so many things that aren't good. And automatically, you know, he falls into an atzvah and the Murash Choyre becomes very depressed. And he says, it's not, it's not a way to do things. Hashem doesn't want that. It's, that's how it's how it wants us to be depressed. It's how it wants us to be clapped. You know, look, you did so many things you weren't supposed to. You know, you're no good. That's how it's a person is supposed to always be machazik himself and always know that, you know, whatever it is that I didn't do good until now, but I still have an Hashem and I can still do good from now. And Hashem wanted me to make this Cheshm just so that I'm machazik myself and do better. He says something interesting also. He says that he gives an interesting mushal. That when somebody brings Schreuder, um, you know, he bought uh, different things. So until it gets a stamp from the king or from the government, so it you know, wasn't paid taxes or whatever it was. And, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all illegal. But once it gets that stamp, then it's all good to go. So the same thing when a, what happens is when a person makes a cheshma nefesh and he, he puts the stamp of Hashem, he's very emes with himself and he knows what he did and didn't do. That stamp, that choysm of Hashem, lets things go through even if they weren't so good. And that's a chizik that I want you to have in the Hashem. And then he goes on to say another thing that a person shouldn't think that he has to feel good about his avoid. He has to have a tam and a tanig in his avid Hashem. So that's also a shaker because the good feeling that we want is only good feelings in this world, and this whole world is a alma de shikra. And with that, he touches the puzzle, Uchin Yashashem Mukumazei. When a person wants to have a good feeling in his avoid, but Mukumazei, he wants to feel Hashem, that's someone who didn't start yet. We shouldn't be looking to feel good about ourselves. We should be making a cheshben and be zechmechazik and not be broken and not be depressed. But we have to know that not always do we feel so great about what we're doing in this world. Not always, not always do we have that great feeling that we'd like to have. And we keep on doing the right thing. And with Hashem's help, you know, with the right cheshman nefesh and the right amount of emes, we could always, you know, shtayig and grow and, and achieve more, even if things weren't so good uh, when we started. So, first of all, this is a gewaltig lesson for everyone. Uh, who, who, who doesn't find themselves in this situation, you know, where they make a cheshman nefesh and they start realizing they didn't think, do things well, and then you fall, you fall into a depression. And obviously, it... it it disturbs us from serving Hashem the way we should. Now, interestingly, when it comes to relationships as well, when somebody is depressed or somebody's not feeling good about himself, it's, it, it makes him harder. His relationships become more difficult. Even though you're depressed about personal things, it's not interpersonal, but what happens is when somebody doesn't feel good about themselves, they usually tend to give it off on other people. So that's you know, just a general idea. Aside from the fact that Hashem doesn't want us to be ba'atzvus and shechina shoira only mitach simcha, but aside from that, being happy and upbeat definitely makes it easier you know, to interact with someone and makes uh, makes it easy for other people to interact with you, you know, when you're feeling better about yourself. So sometimes people look at it like, okay, it's been it's not I'm not I'm not upset at anyone. I'm just I'm just feeling down about how I'm serving Hashem, but really that's affecting your relationships as well. But I think that an even bigger lesson is that if we're taught to feel good about ourselves and to not look down at ourselves, not be broken about where we're holding, even though we know, Udam, you know, Levida Murs Nafshay. Everyone knows where they're really holding. And everyone really knows that they have a lot to feel very bad about. And at the same time, Sadiqma telling us, don't be depressed, keep on going. How much more so when it comes to someone else? When you notice somebody that you care about, whether it's your spouse or a child or whoever it is, and they're not doing so well. They're not doing what they should. They're not serving Hashem properly, let's call it. Or they're not, you know, they're not um, withstanding different challenges 
different uh, difficulties that they're experiencing. We tend to look down at them. Now, if we're taught to forgive ourselves, the word is not forgive, but the word is not, you know, to not look down at ourselves, not be depressed, how much more so when it comes to someone else? Instead of looking down at that person and being depressed about that person's uh, challenges, we should, we, should be, we should give that person chizik. We should be understanding of someone else's challenges. Now, when it comes to children, I think it's usually easier for some people, even though, you know, we take it very personally, our, our children's choices in life. You see a child, a teenager, or even a married child uh, making bad choices. You know, people take it personally. And it's very disturbing to see someone choose badly. But at the same time, there's a lot of awareness today about, you know, it's a child, he's struggling. You know, we have that soft spot for children that are struggling. And we don't justify what they're doing, but we understand that, you know, they're going through difficulties and we have to be patient with them and that's the way to help them. A lot of awareness about that. When it comes to a spouse, that's where sometimes it's harder for people to be, to have that forgiving and understanding nature. We see a spouse going through a difficulty. I'm talking now uh, mostly spiritual, right? A Yiddishkeit uh, challenge or, or falling in a, in a certain soil in a certain area. You know, we tend to take it personally and get angry or get upset or get hurt. What, what's going on? Why is he doing this? Why is she doing that? Why can't she do the right thing? And the answer is that it's very hard. It's very hard for people. So if we're expected to see our challenges and not be broken by them and understand that, you know, we can still do the right thing and we should get up and not, and not uh, get overtaken and not be broken and not get depressed and not become discouraged, not become hopeless, how much more so about someone else, especially where our uh, perspective and our opinion about someone is going to affect the relationship. Looking down at someone is going to affect the relationship and it's going to affect their choices, right? How could somebody really uh, and get back into what he's supposed to be doing if his spouse is looking down at him? How could a lady make a good choice when she knows her husband thinks very poorly of her? So it's not only the, the mood, it's actually having a big effect on someone else. Anyway, that was all uh, in terms of an introduction to the question and the answer that we're going to be addressing. But that's a very important lesson in life. We shouldn't become broken and depressed and discouraged by our, by our challenges and, and certainly not by someone else's. You know, we don't understand what other people are going through and we just have to be there for people and, and understand them and try to help them. So let me, let me read a question that came in. Okay, I always try to change some details, you know, just if there's anything identifying, even though, like I, like I always say, there isn't, there isn't too much that's really identifying in any case. But uh, this, someone's writing to me like this. There by Gruen. I'm married for, let's call it 10 plus years now. And Bokshan, we have a good show on bias, normal ups and downs. That was all until a couple of weeks ago when I went through my husband's phone, something I rarely do, and I found very, very inappropriate messages between him and a male colleague. I was shocked and very pained. After I confronted him, Aurov called me to say that his colleague was running after him and I should understand that my husband is, is, a, is a victim and that men are different than women, etc. For the next few weeks, I was listening ear to my husband and he didn't stop talking about the subject, but from his perspective only. How this has been so hard for him and it's been going on for over a year and so hard to work every day in the same office as, as this person. I gave him all the support I could and I forgave him, but I had a hard time. I didn't talk to anyone about it. I don't have who to talk to about such a subject. I really got support. My husband was empathetic, but I felt he didn't take enough responsibility for what happened. Four weeks ago, Arav came up again to say that we need to continue onward now and we'll talk again in a few months to see where we're holding. And since that day, my husband indeed moved on and doesn't talk about the matter at all. I feel very differently. I didn't talk to anyone about it, so it's all in my system. I feel betrayed and violated. I don't know how to deal with the breach of trust, how to trust again, because nobody can guarantee that it won't happen again. I feel I was too nice to my husband. I forgave too quickly. I used to be angry at this colleague, because that's how the story was presented, but now that my head is clearer, my, my anger is shifting toward my husband. I won't go into detail about how hard my days and nights are, but it's not easy. Am I making a big deal out of nothing? How does one rebuild after a breach of trust? I want to move on, be happy, and sleep again. Okay, very painful. 
right? A woman's writing that, you know, there's a breach of trust. I found out that my husband's doing something he shouldn't. And, you know, he seems to be able to get over it, but I can't. So what do we do now? So, without knowing anything more than what I read in public, I don't know anything more about the situation, let, let me just point out a few things that might be helpful for the listeners. Right? Like I always say, I'm not addressing the questioner, I don't know what's going on over there, I wouldn't be able to give advice you know, without knowing what's going on, but let me just address a few points that are important to talk about. Going through someone's phone, going through your husband's phone, um, unless it's something you do often, it doesn't sound like it, because it seems that this was going on for a while and you didn't know about it, um, you know, and I, the reason I'm saying go often because sometimes people are okay with it. You know, look at my phone or look at yours. Hey, what's this message, that message? And some people are just totally fine with it. But sometimes it's not so fine. And you're going through something that you shouldn't. And I know this because I hear it from people all the time. Whether it's coming through, whether it's looking through someone else's emails or someone else's phone or recording someone without their knowledge and things like that. On the one hand, yes, idealistically speaking... There should be no secrets, and we're all open, and there's, and there's no privacy, and, and you know, a lot of people believe in um, you know, transparency and total exposure, and, and, and nothing should be hidden. I don't know, I spoke about this in the past, and unless you have a reason to suspect something, or unless there's something specific that you're looking for, um, and you know that it's not a problem to look into it for whatever reason, I, I don't know why people should not have their own privacy. Now, again, the point is not that people should be able to hide their wrongdoings, I think maybe in this case it was good that you found out. I'm not saying it was. Maybe you asked someone before you did it. It could be. I'm just saying the idea that somebody should mind if somebody else goes through their thing, even if it's a spouse, right? It's, it's private. Now, I know that people don't like when I talk about this, and a lot of people believe that everything should be open, but I, I don't think it's true. I, I don't think that anyone's really okay with that. I don't think any spouse who claims, or even any mentor or, or anyone who claims that everything should be open, I don't think that person would be so fond of having all their phone conversations recorded. I don't think anyone would be okay with having a recorder a recording 24-7 and your spouse should always be able to listen to whatever you spoke to your sister and your mother and, and, and screamed at your kids and everything. There's a certain amount of individuality, a certain amount of privacy that people just, just out of respect to someone's personal privacy. I think, I think it should be there. Now again, when there's problems and there's issues and there's things to suspect, maybe it's a different story. Maybe. But I'm just talking about the general idea just because, I, just because the story starts with somebody looking through someone else's phone. I feel obligated to, to mention that I'm not sure why you're looking through someone's, someone's phone. You know, a lot of times you're, just, uh, you're causing yourself pain because you found out things you shouldn't. Now, again, it could be in this case you should have found out. Maybe it was good that you found out. For all I know, you're just looking for a number and you happen to notice. And we'll see the Shema and Beautiful. But the idea that people should not be allowed to have something in their pocket. You know, I, I found this in your pocket. Why do you buy this? What's this receipt? Why do you write now? Whose number do you have? I mean, people, people could very often feel stifled and challenged by having someone uh, look, look down their back and, and not have any way to put something private and have to hide it and shield the talus bottle just because they wanted it. They would think, I don't know, I'm not sure what it is. They, they wanted to keep something private and I think people are allowed to for the most part. So that's, that's something that I felt uh, is worth mentioning. I, th I think people should offer this to a spouse. It's not your spouse shouldn't have to hide from you and you shouldn't look. It's fine if you have something that you don't want me to see. I'm okay with that as long as I have no reason for real concern that you're doing something wrong. I'm okay to give you space. You're talking to someone, it's okay. I'll wait outside and, I'll, you know, whatever it is. Anyway, I know, so I know someone who picks up the phone when he's in the car and he always says, you know, I'm in the car with my, with my wife, whatever. Just, you should know you're on speakerphone, which is normal for people to do. And his wife had a major issue with that. Why are you telling them you're on the phone? It, it's not, they should, I should be able to hear whatever you hear. Now, aside from the fact that that person may not want you to hear what he's saying to your husband, that's already the other person's privacy. But I, I think it's normal for people to have a certain amount of 
privacy that when you're talking to me, it's to me. And I don't want, I don't want everything you're going to tell me to be known to everyone around me or even just to my wife at all times. Anyway. And, and there's a lot of Makoidas and Chazal about that. I'm not going to go into it, but the, the idea, you know, you see by Oyman Pelas, you see different ideas about, uh, you know, the Mishnah says, right, why? Because the Bishta Omri, if you, if you tell your wife everything, this is the Mepharshim of the Mishnah, if you tell your wife everything, she might instigate a Machloikis by, by trying to stick up for you. In other words, you don't have to share everything. Somebody says something to you at work, and it was a nasty comment, you don't have to be comfortable, and you shouldn't feel comfortable with your wife knowing about it. It could cause harm. So what's that if not privacy? Anyway, okay, the next idea over here is like this. You found out that your husband had inappropriate messaging with a male colleague. Okay, I think that part is important, actually. Um, I think that what the, what the Rav is trying to explain to you, that the, the Rav's, and again, this is only, I don't know who the Rav is, and I don't know what went on over there, but just the idea. The Rav is telling you that this, your husband's a victim and this guy's running after him. I don't think the point was, and that's later where you're getting a little unclear about again, is, is it really my husband's fault? Is it that person's fault? I don't think that's the point. What I think this Rav is trying to tell you, very responsibly, is your husband is experiencing a personal challenge. When somebody goes through a personal challenge, it's not about you. It's, about, it's something they're struggling with. When somebody's struggling, you try to understand what's their struggle. Okay, somebody's struggling, somebody's running after him, he, whatever it is, he couldn't resist, it was hard for him. And that's essentially what your husband was trying to teach you as well, was trying to explain to you in the office, day in, day out, with this guy, it's a big challenge, I couldn't overcome it, whatever it is. It's so important to understand what that means, a personal challenge. Now, very often, people take personal challenges of a spouse or children, like I mentioned earlier, um, they take that personally. What do you mean? You're doing this? How can you do that? I'm not okay with it. Now, you don't have to be okay with it. And you shouldn't be okay with it. And it's a lot to bother you, and it should bother you. It should bother you when you find out that somebody close to you is doing something inappropriate. When I say should, it's, it's only normal. If it wouldn't bother you, you'd be apathetic, and you wouldn't care. It would be a problem. Why don't you care? It means, it means nothing to you. You don't want to have Ehrlich a spouse. You don't want to have Ehrlich children. But still remember, it's not about you. Somebody is going through a challenge. It's not because they're betraying you. So often I hear these words, and it's, 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 it's very controversial. And I hate, you know, I'm not going to say where it comes from or what, what sources it comes from, what kind of maybe secular sources. But a lot of what we call betrayal and a lot of what we call um, you know, breaches of trust, I mean, technically it had nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do with you. And when you, when you do other things, that aren't appropriate or that you shouldn't. I think we all do things we shouldn't. And you don't announce them to the people that are close to you. I mean, that's, you're not betraying anyone. Now, I understand again. I understand why it's hurtful. I understand why it's disturbing. And it should be disturbing. My point is not that you shouldn't care about someone else's challenge and say, well, it's nothing to do with me. It's their own personal struggle. You're, you should care. And you're allowed to care. And it's normal to care. But remember that what you're caring about is just the fact that somebody close to you is not the way you would want them to be. And we all want people around us to be a certain way. And it's okay, as long as we're not controlling them, as long as we're not judging them, as long as we're not putting them down. We, we're allowed to have what's on our mind, what someone else should do. Again, if you start imposing it on people, that's, that's a different story. Let people be. But the fact that I would want my children to look a certain way and I'd want my spouse to do certain things, that's, that's called being human. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves and make believe, I don't care. If you don't care, there might be something wrong. Why don't you care? You don't care because you don't care, or you don't care because you don't want someone to tell you what to do, or you don't care because you're resenting that someone else uh, once tried being mechanical. Why don't you care? But if you do care, and you still understand, listen, this person's going through a struggle. We all have struggles. We all have personal struggles. The fact that this struggle may be more personal, more um, sensitive, or more, I don't know, and that's why it's bothering more, that's fine. But understand it for what it is. To start calling it, as I'm saying, the, the breach of trust and the secret part, as if it, it's a direct challenge to you and something someone was taking away from you while it was just a personal struggle, that's something to put into perspective and I know it's not easy. 
it's not easy, but it's definitely, you know, it, it's different than if somebody, if you'd find out that somebody was taking um, something that you earned or something that, that uh, you know, belonged to you, whether it was even time or whatever it is, and giving it to someone else behind your back and telling you a, a lie and fully, that's a, different, that's a different story. That's called imposing on you and, and not being honest. But the fact that somebody else is doing something they shouldn't and, and they're not proud and they're not sharing it with you, maybe it's good they didn't share it with you. Maybe something shouldn't be shared. As a matter of fact, something should not be shared. And I've seen people who thought that being open and, and sharing and being vulnerable and transparent and you know all that, I, I've seen it work against a lot of people. So it's not a gishmak for me to teach people to don't share something, right? But very often there's a certain disclosure and, and whatever you want to call these things that I've seen cause a lot of damage. So what do you do now? As a matter of fact, Chazal teach us. Somebody doesn't have either, and he's embarrassed by it. He's embarrassed. He's ashamed of what he did. So there's a mechilas avoidance for that. Now, if somebody's uh, not embarrassed by it and he's sharing it, and you know, this is what I did, so listen, we're open about it. I know it's better not to do that right in the first place. But the fact that somebody's ashamed of what he did, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that he's ashamed. So even though you're a couple, and even though you want everything to be open, you know, open cards is often not, uh, you know, not, not always helpful. And just recently, I, I was talking to a man who also, he was, he gave some kind of full disclosure on something that was not, Maybe it was even a little bit more on his wife's cheshbon, but not a lot. And it didn't do good. It didn't do good. It didn't help the relationship. So even though on, some, on the one hand, people might feel like, I can't hide a secret. It's not, it's not right for me to hide a secret from my spouse. Right? But you always have to think, is it going to be helpful or not? This is Bakanta Vartan of Salanta. Salanta once said, you know, if asking someone Mechil or something you did to him is going to make him feel hurt, because now you're going to be telling him that you said something bad about him, that people know something about him, even though you're doing it with the intention to ask him forgiveness, why are you allowed to hurt him? Why are you allowed to hurt him? Why are you allowed to tell him that I told six people about something you did and I want to ask you forgiveness? Why are you allowed to hurt him by telling him that? So I'm not allowed to tell him how I'm asking forgiveness. I don't know how. Maybe you can't. So yeah, things have to be understood both what to share and how to share and if it's the right thing and if it's done the right way. And then if somebody, if you did find out something about someone, are you going to be upset they didn't share it? Are you going to be upset they did it to you or had nothing to do with you? It was something that someone shouldn't have done. So anyway, these are not geschmacke topics, not things that people want to find out, but it's definitely, the perspective is definitely important. Another thing that I think is very important to understand over here, I've seen situations on, on two extremes. I've seen, I've seen just, just recently, I had two such situations of many. One was a person who, it seems that he disclosed to his wife things that he shouldn't have been doing. And when I say husband, wife, I, I interchange them freely. I think everyone knows that. When I could say a husband, I mean a wife, a wife, I mean a husband, all just to change details. But a husband told a wife something about something he did that he shouldn't have done. And it was an isolated incident. Isolated means relatively isolated. It was it was a, a, a one it was one um, it was one place where he struggled and one uh, area and one amount of time and, and that was it. And he hoped that by being open about it, she would be understanding and accepting and we'd move on. But she didn't. She turned it into a federal case. She turned it into such a federal case that years later, that's now we're holding years later, she still uses it against him. She still holds on to it. She still feels good, you know, empowered by the fact that you know you did something wrong, but I don't have to forgive, right? And and it's still and when she tells it to people, and I've seen this happen, whether it's a therapist or a rabbi, whoever it is, they, they look at it like, and what else did he do? No, that's what he did. He, five years ago, he did this, and I can't. And what else? Nothing. So you're still not trusting him because of one isolated uh, challenge that he that he failed in. You're turning something that happened once into into a, a general idea of someone. And then I saw the other way around. Well, again, let's let's call husband wife, where a husband uh, was doing something no good, and his wife wasn't trusting him and he was like why don't you trust me i mean why because it's going on many times for a lot of time 
in a lot of different situations, he kept on, on falling through the same challenge, and it was very hard for him to trust, and he couldn't get it. Why don't you trust me? So what I mean to say is there are times when somebody struggles once and it's used against them as if it's a big picture. And then there are times when somebody does struggle in the big picture and they're not so trustable. And then they, they want to make it sound like it's only, it's only this, only that. Which is very like, a, like that addictive thinking of, no, it's only one time. Ah, it's happening every time. Every time a new excuse. So it's very important to differentiate between is this something that's ongoing or not. If something happened once, even if it went on for a year, but it happened once in one relationship and it was exposed and we're dealing with it in a responsible way, you got to move on. You gotta remember that this was once. Don't turn it into someone's identity. Don't turn it into a major thing. And, and why should I forgive? And why should I forget? And why should I move on? Let's let's stay stuck in that in that uh, episode. And then the other way around. Don't be too naive and don't forgive and forget something that's really ongoing. Make them believe that eh, it's probably gonna end any day, or it's probably ended on its own, and I don't even know about it. So th- it's also very important to differentiate between something that is ongoing and and not. And before I go on more about the about practical, you know, how to deal with the situation. I do want to mention this also. You married for 10 plus years, and Baksham, we have good show and bias, normal ups and downs, and that was all until a couple of weeks ago. Now, I, I don't know. So I'm just saying something I don't know now. I'm just trying to emphasize it like I always try to do. The positive has to be emphasized. If you're married for 10 plus years and things were relatively good, how often does your spouse hear that? How often is the good spoken about? How often is the good noticed? How much, how big a deal is it? And how much do we just let things roll and now, oh, oh, now something happened. Now we're stuck. Now there's an issue between us and now it's, it's how do I look at you and how you look at me and how do we move on and we should we, is this the only thing that happened in 10 plus years? Now I know it might be the most disturbing thing that happened in 10 plus years. That could be. But is it the only thing that happened? Where's all the good? Where's all the positive feelings? Where's all the respect? Where's all the admiration? Where's all, do you know how many challenges your husband may have overcome? And maybe some of them you know about even, maybe some you don't know about. It's important to know how to, how, to, how to emphasize the right parts. So of course you have to deal with the negative parts and the uncomfortable parts and the, you know, the, 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 the ugly parts of a relationship, the ugly parts of somebody's uh, behaviors. But with all the good parts, very often if we'd be emphasizing the positive more, that alone would be helpful in dealing with the negative. And even if it wouldn't, people definitely deserve the recognition for the good parts. So, just like with children, right? It's so much easier to notice and it's so much uh, more noticeable. Um, um, you know, all the things that aren't good, negative behaviors, you see it right away. We take it for granted when a kid is good, right? But we have to remember, and we're always taught this when it comes to parenting. You've got to emphasize the good, notice the good, give as many compliments as you could. So even when you do find out that your husband did something very not good, and you're going to deal with it, and you did deal with it, you're going to, a few months from now, you'll deal with it again, no problem. But in the meantime, is that all there is? Is that what's making you wear those black sunglasses now and seeing him as someone else? Or are you noticing a lot of the good as well? So that's just some more, f- more uh, food for thought. Now, get, getting a little more practical, um, I, like I said before, I don't think you should berate yourself for being disappointed. Right? I, I think it's normal to be disappointed when you find out that your husband's doing something inappropriate. I think it's fine. Um, but you do want to know what your goal is. What is your goal? Your goal is to to figure out if he was right. Your goal is to find out if you should forgive. Your goal is to fi- find out who is really the culprit. Or your goal is to move on and build a relationship and help both of you, you know, grow. Help both of you do the right thing moving forward. You know, it's very, it's very, it's, that part is very important. And um, like you mentioned, you don't have who to talk to. And not having who to talk to might keep a lot of negative feelings bottled up in you. And it's part of the problem. It's very important to have who to talk to. Now, you have to be very careful when you're looking for who to talk to. If you're going to talk to someone who that person, whether it's a sister or a sister-in-law or an aunt or a mother, very often, and talking to that person is just going to emphasize the negative and that person is going to make you into a whole victim and validate all your negative feelings and you're going to feel like a big Rahmanus and you're going to, 
you're going to enjoy maybe the good feeling of somebody understanding you, but you're going to come out of those conversations feeling worse about yourself and about your spouse and about your marriage. Don't talk to that person. Don't talk to that person. Talk to someone who's going to help you resolve negative feelings. Not somebody who's going to do away with them or trivialize your feelings, but somebody who's going to help you. Somebody who, when you, after you talk to that person, you feel better, you feel more, more equipped and more empowered to do the right thing going forward. You know, so, so venting and, and getting it out of you is very important. Very important I would talk to. Chazal <laughs> teaches that. But don't talk to someone who that person is going to be emphasized the negative and make things worse. And even when it comes to talking to the right person, make sure you're sharing it for the right reason. I gave a shir recently um, to a Bukhram shir. One of the question answers. So Bukha was asking if he should share a certain secret, a medical condition that he had, and he wanted to know if he should share it with his friends. So it was very hard for me to answer uh, such a sensitive question that comes in, again, without, without the background, without all the, without all the details. But I, I, I tried giving a certain outline of which secrets are okay to share and how and when. And they depended on, is it something people are going to find out and who? And how they'll feel when they find out? Um, is it something that will affect you or other people later on, the fact that you're saying it? And the third, uh, the third thing that I mentioned over there was, why do you want to share it? You want to share it because you have to get it off your chest and it's very hard to hold a secret and it's causing you stress? Okay, maybe. You want to share it because you're going to get negative attention from it and you get people to, to, to pity you and now you're going to be more the center of attention? You have to think, why, why am I doing this? When you share something that's bothering you, whether it's about your spouse, whether, whether it's about you know, something about your marriage or something you found out your husband did, it's important that I would have talked to about it. But think, why am I sharing this? If you have the right goal in mind, I'm sharing it to get it off my chest. I'm sharing it to gain some clarity. I'm sharing it so that this Rav or whoever, whichever responsible person it is could help me understand what it is that happened and resolve the negative feelings that I have and be able to see things more logical and get myself out of the way and see how I can make things better in the future. Do it for the right reason. But I know some people share things because they, they love that feeling of being a victim. And I know someone, for example, he goes around sharing a story. The, the, first of all, story never happened. But the part of it that did happen, you know, did happen, it's so trivial and so small, you know, compared to the way he presents it, the way he talks about it, the way he emphasizes it. And he just loves that feeling. And people around him are pitying him and trying to intervene. And he doesn't let anyone intervene because the few people that did try to intervene realized that, hey, this never happened. There's a, there's a disorder, actually. A Munchausen disorder of people who try to, um, you know, make themselves sound sick or whatever it is to get negative attention. Anyway, the point is that if you do want to talk to someone, you should have who to talk to. It's good to have who to talk to. Make sure you talk to somebody for the right reason on your part and somebody who's responsible knows how to hear it and help you with it. Now, you mentioned that maybe I forgive too quickly. I, I forgive quickly and now I forgive too quickly. Now, the word forgiving, like I started off with, I don't even know if that's the right word. I understand that the concept and you know, I understand that the, we call it forgiving. I forgive you for what you did, but if what you did wasn't against me, it was a personal struggle. Um, so I'm not sure what forgive means. So again, I know what the word means. I know what, the, what this person is trying to say. But, but who asked you to forgive? If you mean to move on, well, it's good to move on. Again, you shouldn't feel stupid for moving on. You shouldn't want to stay stuck. Now, people that like that feeling, like, now I have this against you. Now, forever, I'm just... And I, I've, I've seen this in real life. I've seen, I've seen people who did do an avla, one against the other, and then ask a spouse, oh, do you forgive me? I'll try. I, I don't know if I could. That, that, that geschmack in, I don't have to and I don't know if I could and I, I'm going to hold on to it and you're going to have to deal with the fact that I, I, can't, I just can't get over it yet. That's even when somebody did something to the other person directly. You offended that person or caused harm or pain. When somebody made a stupid choice and somebody fell through in a challenge, I, the word is not forgive and it's good to forgive. Especially if, if like I said, it seems like it was an a isolated um, incident. You shouldn't berate yourself again. Just like I say, you shouldn't berate yourself for feeling bad about what happened. You shouldn't berate yourself for, for being able to move on. You did, you, it was very commendable 
take the advice of a Rav and be ready to deal with the challenge in a few months again if, if you have to. And for now, move on, be a good person and, and don't get stuck there. Moving on doesn't mean forgetting. And this is a, a, a mistake people make. Moving on doesn't mean, okay, we forgot about it and it's as if it didn't happen and I, I can't forget. But you know, I have to Nothing to do with forgetting. You can remember something happened and still move on. That's, that's the key. The key is to know that it happened and to not fool yourself and maybe even to be more careful going on in the future and, and making sure that your husband has, let's, for example, whatever kind of filter he needs or whatever kind of accountability he needs or whatever kind of connection with the Rav that he needs, which is all good and healthy for him. But, but you dealt with it, move on. Not because you forgot, but because healthy people try to move on. And it's hard. It's hard. I'm not talking about it because it's easy. I'm talking about it because I'm trying to give all of us chizik to be able to move on you know, after, something, you know, after something like this uh, shook up a situation. Now, another point also that you mentioned here about, you know, in the beginning I was talking more um, angry, let's call it angry, at this person who was causing my husband to do something bad. Now, as I'm seeing things clearer, um, um, my, my anger is more chan- channeled uh, toward my husband. Now, I, I, now, it could be, you're right, it could be he was the culprit, he was the, the, the culprit, not the victim, I don't know. But I just want to mention something in general, not specifically about this. There are, such, there are marriages, there are relationships where you see someone who will always stick up for a spouse. Always. The guy could be a cheater, a liar, a robber, a gun of, a, you know, a, a, a He could be the worst person. My spouse, always right. Now, sometimes there's a control issue why a spouse always has to stick up for the other one, so there's manipulation. But sometimes there's something about an allegiance. I'm always going to stand behind my, my husband, always behind my wife. He did the right thing. He didn't, he didn't want to hurt anyone. You just see that certain alliance, what's the word? You know, like always sticking up for the... And then you have people always the other way around. Always. Whatever the husband did, no, you, you shouldn't have done that. That person was right. Again, you're doing it. You always do that. You, there's two ways of looking at it. And then there's the middle balanced one who, you know, when yeah, yeah, when not, not. Okay, that's fine. But there's something to think about. There are people who will always try to see the good in their spouse and stick up for them. And I think it's healthy. You have the parents who always stick up for the kids, right? Uh, the kids are fighting. You have parents who naturally, not, not, I'm not talking about people that are disturbed and always right and always defensive and always that. But there's a certain natural thing about my, my, my kid said he didn't mean it. And that's how parents usually tend to be. And again, not in a crazy situation where the kid broke someone's car and the guy's upset, why'd you park your car here? No. In normal situations, you, you tend to feel for your child. And, the, and then there are parents that are the other way around. Whatever the kid comes home saying, that kid fought me, yeah, you probably did something to him. It's two very different ways of looking at things. And then, then the other people in the middle. I'm just, I'm just mentioning this. When your husband went through a challenge, try to, try to, see, try to see it from his perspective. Try to make him feel good. And I think that going forward and showing trust in him and, and, and showing that you believe in him and showing him that you understand that he went through a challenge and you don't judge him for it and that you believe that he's doing things differently going forward, I think is the healthiest thing you could do for you and for him and for your marriage and for everything around and, and to, to help him do the right thing going forward. When he knows that somebody's standing behind him and believes in him and sees him as a good person, sees him as having been through a challenge that he couldn't withstand but really he didn't mean it and really the other person caused it, I think that's what's going to help him in the future. So instead of saying, you know, why should I forgive? And maybe we're still there, and maybe this is going to go on. Help him and make sure it doesn't go on. And the more understanding we are of each other, I think that's, I think that's the best thing we could do for each other and for ourselves. Interestingly, you see in the Torah, right? This week, you know, in the parish you see with the Ovis, you see Yankov fooled Yitzchak Avini with the Bruchas. You see Laya and Rochel actually fooled Yankov with the, with the, you know, with, with, with the secret. He gave over Simunim to Rochel, she gave it to her sister. You know, this could have been a federal case. This, this was a, definitely a breach of trust. And it was actually uh, something challenging, something personal. Yankovini gave secrets to, to Ruchla and he gave them away. He, she gave it away to her sister. She definitely, and he had to work another seven years for that. 
you don't see it used against, again, again this is all, you know, obviously we don't see the whole story, and it's all Nunum Gavoy and Vanalim that we don't understand. But there's something about understanding that sometimes somebody wasn't so truthful and something happened because of it, and we try to understand, okay, it happened for this reason, and we'll move on. There's a reason behind it, whether it does justify or doesn't justify, whether we do understand, don't. We try to forgive. We try to move on. We try not to get stuck with negativity, especially not on something isolated, especially when it's not something personal, and try to understand each other and believe in each other. What Hashem's help, that good feeling, could, could help us use these challenging times, these disturbing episodes, these, these difficult situations, to be something that brings us closer. I've seen people that, know how to, that, that used challenges to become closer. It was a challenge. We got over it. We, we love each other more. We trust each other more. We're closer. We understood each other better. We validated each other. We're op- more open to each other. And now we grew from that experience. How beautiful is it? And other people use things that are these bumps in the road and it just pulls people apart. And three years later, we're still talking about it. And ever since that day, and we never got over it. So this is just some food for thought. I, Hashem should help us all be able to understand each other, judge each other favorably, um, be more understanding of each other's challenges give some privacy and space. And what Hashem's help, just like we started off with, just like Cheshbon and Nefer shouldn't make you depressed, when you have make a Cheshbon and Nefer to someone else, you shouldn't make them depressed or, feel, or, or look down at them going forward. What Hashem's help with the right ayin uh, toive, with the right attitude, the right mood, the right connection, we could live together through these challenges and grow from these challenges and live Mahava Ahmed Shalom